welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hi, morning everyone. <laughs> oh, that was a nice response. I'll do that again. Morning everyone. Thank you. So it's so uh, lovely to be with you all as we continue to look through the book of 1 Thessalonians. Um, A series is called What Are We Waiting For? And Bill very kindly pointed out to me this morning that we haven't been told what we're waiting for yet. That it's coming. It is coming, not today. Today, we're going to still talk about what's happening in the waiting. All right. So we're talking about what's happening in the waiting. We are later on. I think it's Aaron who's going to talk to you about what we're actually waiting for. You can probably guess. So we are going to be looking at chapter three today. Um, I'm letting you know, so I know some of you are getting your Bibles ready, so 1 Thessalonians 3. But before I start getting into that, I just want to ask you a question. Have you ever lost, and by lost I mean actually misplaced, a child that was in your care? Yeah. I have. Confession, I have. So I once lost my eldest son when he was about two. One minute he was there and the next minute he was gone. I was was out mowing our front lawn and to keep my two-year-old busy, um, I had him with his little bubble mower. It was great, a little plastic mower that but had bubbles that came out of it. And he was mowing behind me and I was mowing that bit. He was helping me out. And I was just checking on him, you know, going along. And then I looked around and his bubble mower was there and he was gone. And my heart leapt. It's like, ah! And I immediately looking up and down the street, couldn't see him anywhere. Like he'd completely gone. I, I started to really panic. And I ran out to the fields behind our house thinking that we sometimes play there. He wasn't there. I came, I was shouting his name. I was looking everywhere down the cul-de-sac near our street. I was, it, and then I came back, I, I didn't know what to do. And then a lady across the road, one of my neighbors stuck her head out the door. She said, are you looking for your son? I said, yes. And she said, oh, he, I saw him. He was chasing a cat up the road. He's in that neighbor's garden. Oh, so I ran up and as I got to this gate, my little son, two-year-old son was walking out as if nothing had happened. The relief, the relief I felt was unbelievable. That, that moment. And you know, as, as parents, we never stop worrying about our children. And as, we get, as they get older, we start worrying about them in, in different ways. And certainly as Christian parents, we worry about them losing their faith, don't we? That we've tried really hard to raise them in. And, and you know, this is where we find Paul in his letter to Thessalonians in chapter 3. He's a single man. He's not married. He's not had children born of him. But he has this really, really deep sense of parental worry. He is worrying about his spiritual children, and he's worrying that they're going to lose their faith in this particular case in the face of persecution and suffering. So we're going to explore today the idea of suffering and comfort. Let's Let's have a look at the chapter. So chapter three, and we go straight in. He's talking about um, worrying about the Thessalonians. He said, so when we could stand it no longer, 
all this worry, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we're destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labours had been in vain. So here he is with his real fears and worries that, that in the face of all that they were experiencing, they'd, they'd lose their faith. Um, so what were the trials that, that they were facing? Well, if you look in Acts 17, at Paul's visit there to Thessalonica, or if you've been listening to the previous um, talks that we've had on this series so far, you'll know what's going on. That, that when Paul and Silas went there, while some Jews were persuaded that they told the truth, others were jealous and whipped up a mob um, to prevent them from spreading the gospel. And in the end, Paul and Silas, you know, they had to be smuggled out of the city, didn't they? But, you know, the persecution of the new believers had continued. And it's interesting, isn't it, that Paul is not worried about whether or not they would be persecuted. He says in verse 4 that he told them that it would inevitably happen. And John spoke a little bit about this last week. But his main concern here is that the tempter would tempt them through this. So, so being tempted through suffering, what does... What does he mean by this? We know that being a Christian doesn't actually shield us from bad things happening. Jesus, we were reminded last week, weren't we, by John, that Jesus in, in John 16, 33 said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And you know, each one of our stories here will reflect that. Every single one of us will have had something, some kind of trouble that we've had to face into. And you're probably thinking about it right now. I'm like, yeah, I had that I had to face into. You know, it's, it's what we do, who we listen to, how we respond to that trouble that can either make or break our faith. You know, I was at a party the other weekend and someone said to me that they used to go to church but they stopped going and rejected what little faith that they had when they lost, and by lost here, I mean that they, these people died. They lost three close family members, including a child, in the space of a few months. And equally, I have a really, really dear friend who lost her beautiful baby girl when she was only 13 months old. But it was through that terrible experience that she came to encounter the Lord and then gave her life to Jesus. So they're two similar stories of great loss, but actually two very different responses and outcomes. You know, and I wonder what the voice of the tempter sounds like in those situations. Can you really trust a God who allows such things? How can he be good when he lets bad things happen? You're better off without him if this is what happens when you follow him. Maybe in Thessalonica, this might have come to the new believers 
through well-meaning friends or family? How can you be sure those strangers told the truth? Are these new ideas really worth the trouble that you are getting into? Wouldn't it be easier to go back to how you were worshipping before? If God's good, I'm sure he'll understand. You know, Paul is terrified that he'll lose his new children to the voice of the tempter. So what does he do about it? Well, he sends Timothy to find out how they're doing, to, to strengthen them and encourage them. And you know what? Timothy brings back this fantastic report. So let's continue reading from verse 6. He says this, But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us, that you long to see us, just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. And, and now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy that we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So Paul, from his worry, ends up being encouraged by their faith. They're just baby Christians, but they're standing up to the trials they're facing and Paul's so overjoyed. Um, what a huge relief. His children aren't lost after all. In verse 11, he breaks out into spontaneous prayer for them. But you know, we're gonna, we'll come back around to that later. So what can we learn from all this? What about comfort in suffering? What does the passage tell us about this? We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at the comfort of God through truth, the comfort of God through others, and the comfort of God through prayer. Okay, so let's start with the comfort of God through truth. So Paul was worried that the Thessalonians would be listening to this voice of the tempter. So he sent Timothy to make sure that they were listening to the right voices. But how would Timothy do that? Well, I think he would probably be reminding them of the truth about Jesus, confirming it by going back over the teaching um, it, from the Jewish scriptures at first convinced them that Jesus was indeed the long-awaited Messiah, reminding him, them that his resurrection had been witnessed firsthand by many who were still living to tell the tale, and that through Jesus' death on the cross, we've all been saved by God's wrath. It wasn't too good to be true. And we know from 1 Thessalonians 1.5, which says, because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction, we know that it wasn't only the words and the teaching, but also the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. God showed up in power and validated the message. Now, those of you who know me and Cap more personally will know that in the last year, we have been facing a really, really difficult ongoing trial of our own. 
which has basically put our whole livelihood, our business, and therefore all of those who depend on us, our staff and, and clients, some of who are really, really vulnerable, they've all been put at risk, like really serious risk. And in these really, really trying times, I've found that returning to the key passages of Scripture that remind me of the truth about God and his personal promises to me have given me hope again. You know, when my mind is playing tricks and my faith is challenged, standing on the truth of the word of God helps to keep me firm and centered on the Lord rather than the problem. You know, this is a really good reason to write down somewhere and record key passages of scripture and prophecies that you receive that the Lord has personally given to you so you can come back to them when you really need to hear the voice of truth again. I know that I do. I write them down. When the Lord gives me a word, when he gives me something, even if it doesn't seem relevant at the time, you come back, you're like, oh, that's why you gave me that word because I needed to hear it right now. And, you know, I also find encouragement in reminding myself of of how many times he's intervened in power into the situations in which I've found myself over the years. And, you know, this is a really sound biblical practice. We see time and time again, particularly through the Psalms, the importance that's placed on the Israelites remembering their story, what the Lord has done for them. Psalm 78, Psalm 99, Psalm 105, um, where it says, um, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he's done, Just a few of the psalms where the psalmist invite us to remember the deeds of the Lord and how he displayed his power and love for us. It's important to remember. So we find comfort in the truth of the scriptures and the truth of our own story. Okay? And what else do we see comforting those who are suffering in this passage? Well, in these verses, it's not just the Thessalonians who are suffering. Paul is also suffering. Look at verse 7, which is just coming up now. He says that he is encouraged and he is lifted up in his suffering because of the lives of the Thessalonians. So, So we're going to look now at the comfort of God through others. So Paul's sufferings is not in vain. His sufferings are producing fruit. The faith of those he cares deeply about is thriving and that encourages him and it brings him joy. And you know, we too can have faith, our faith lifted in times of suffering by the testimony of our friends and family. When we hear what God is doing in the lives of others, you know, we have two choices. We can either respond by focusing on ourselves and wondering why such things don't happen to us, why we're not seeing breakthrough in that area, or We can focus on God and what he's up to, celebrating his power and faithfulness through what he's doing in the lives of others, raising our own hopes that he's a God who intercedes on our behalf. You know, I find it interesting that God can sometimes work most powerfully through those who are suffering themselves. Let's take this example. This person is someone called Smith Rigglesworth. And he was a great British evangelist who saw hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of people healed in his lifetime in the early 20th century. But, you know, when he first 
was led into a healing ministry. He had a really bad chronic health issue himself that caused him a lot of pain in his digestive system. And even though his health was an ongoing problem, he still saw people instantaneously healed through his prayer. And it was through the healing of others that he built up his faith to heal, not what was happening in his own body. Yeah? So we can make a decision about how we respond to the faith and stories of others. Like Paul, let's be encouraged and comforted by the stories of those around us and expand our ideas about what's possible through what God does in the lives of others as well as what he does in our own. And you know, when it comes to God bringing comfort through others, let's not underestimate the huge importance of our friends standing with us in our times of trouble, offering practical and emotional support. You know, Cap, Cap and I have been really humbled. And at times, completely undone by the unbelievable, generous, practical support of those who have had faith in our story and those who have supported us and brought us comfort through incredibly wise, spirit-led words that have strengthened our faith, just at those times when, you know, we've really felt like we were drowning. God brings comfort. He brings comfort through truth. He brings comfort through others. And Paul encourages us to pray. So, in verse 9, we see that he's been thanking and praising God for the good news about the Thessalonians. You know, this has, to me, always been a must, always been a must in times of trouble. Thanks and praise for who God is, what he's done for us, what he will do for us. Always lifts my eyes and heart away from my troubles to focus on the Lord, who's the source of my life and my joy. And in the last few months, the Lord has specifically been saying to me, you know, thank me and stand on my promises. Thank me and stand on my promises. We also see in verse 10 that through his distress, both night and day, Paul has prayed most earnestly for the Thessalonians, even though he's being persecuted himself. His prayers are centered on those he loves. You know, being in a difficult situation ourselves often gives us a real insight as to how to pray effectively into the situations others are facing. Because we understand the pressures and the temptations, we can pray earnestly, because we can be clear about what we're praying into and have compassion as we intercede for those who are suffering in the same way that we have. So what does Paul's prayer tell us about what they need to do? They need in order to bring them comfort in their suffering? Let's, let's have a look. It's from verse 11. He prays this. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. That gives us a clue as to what we're waiting for, doesn't it, that one? 
So firstly, in verse 11, the prayer is grounded in God himself, his character. Twice in this short prayer, three sentences, Paul joins together God, the Father, and Jesus, the Lord. Um, Prayer for him is founded on the character of God as revealed in Jesus Christ. And he sees them as one and the same. So for, for those of you who love your grammar, the double subject here, father and son, is followed by a singular verb. So Paul counts them as, as one. He prays confidently to see them again and that the Lord will make a way. He's relying on God's loving and restorative and unifying character. And you know, this prayer is answered about five years later. He does get to see them again. Next, in verse 12, he prays for an increase in love. Now, do you find that when times are tough, you can get a little bit grumpy with those people around you? I know that I do. Poor Cap has had the wrong side of me thrown at him when I felt stressed and overwhelmed by what we've been facing into this year, probably one too many times. And I think that if I were praying for someone in a really stressful situation like ours, I would definitely, definitely pray for an increase of love in them, in their relationships, in their home, because we all need to be topped up with God's love, because we soon run out when times are tough, even with those, probably especially with those who we love best. Love allows us to be more tolerant and forgiving and full of grace. And it's also comforting to know that God loves for us, never wears thin and never dries up and is a constant stream of compassion and grace and mercy flowing over us, drawing us to him and reassuring us of his goodness and his faithfulness. Lastly, in verse 13, Paul asks that God will strengthen their hearts. When you're going through a trial, and these trials start to get ongoing, and they feel like they're never going to end. For us, it's been a year, a year. Do you find that you get to points where you get really, really weary, like that really heart weariness? I don't know about you, but I can not only get grumpy and short with those around me, but I can also start to feel really down. You know, my heart feels like it's sinking. And then I'm in danger of losing hope and losing my focus on the Lord. And I'd love this prayer to be prayed over me when I'm struggling, because if my heart is strong, then I have the energy to carry on functioning and living and thriving even maybe, but despite my worries, And I can be reassured that I'm blameless and holy in the presence of God through what Jesus has done for me. That even maybe if there was something more I could have done or I should have done, I am still covered by God's grace and by his love. You know, guys, so let's take heart in times of trouble when things are are tough. You know, trouble is inevitable. It's inevitable. But God brings us comfort through it, strengthening our relationship with him, our trust and faith in him, our relationship with others, if we allow it. Let's embed ourselves in truth, not the lies of the tempter. 
Let's surround ourselves with the encouragement of friends and let's pray, giving thanks to God for who he is and how he loves us. And, you know, let's not be remiss in praying for and supporting those friends around us who are going through tough trials of their own, even if we're struggling ourselves. Let's love each other well and strengthen each other in the Lord and remember that what the enemy means for evil, he turns to our good. Look at this verse in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, all things, it doesn't say just in good things, it says in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God is working for our good when we choose to love him through it all and seek his comfort. Shall we pray? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.